0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, are Christians in America reading the Bible? Do they know the Bible? What if pastors and churches in America systematically read and studied the Word of God together? Would it make a difference? Would it make a difference in our churches? Would it make a difference in our communities, our homes? And what about our country? You know what? I think it would. In fact, I think it would make a profound difference. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today on this edition of Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. And I'm going to go ahead and give you uh, a tip. I'm going to talk about it later in the program. But if you happen to, uh, to miss the last part of the program, you're going to go, you're, you are going to want to go to frc.org. bible got a great tool there for you that's going to help you uh, in this upcoming year as you study the Word of God. So what is the state of Bible reading in America? What impact did the coronavirus and the church closures have on Bible reading? Well, the American Bible Society commissioned Barna Group to perform a study. Investigating that very question. Here to discuss their findings is John Plake. He is Director of Ministry Intelligence at the American Bible Society and co author of the annual State of the Bible Report. John, welcome back to uh, Washington Watch.
1: Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: All right, let's just start with that first question. Uh, You know, we're I would say we're coming out of, but it seems like every time we feel like we're finished with this uh, COVID-19, there's a new variant that comes up and uh, new regulations and, and imposed upon people. But let's just say we're we're kind of on the other side of it. What have what did we find out about Bible reading in the midst of this uh, pandemic?
1: Well, you know, there was actually some good news, Tony. And the good news was that 2021 marked the fourth straight year when we tracked a trend of Americans reading the Bible more frequently than ever. Uh, Currently, nearly one in four U.S. adults say they've increased their Bible reading from last year and fully half of American adults meet the threshold of being what we call Bible users, which means they're using the Bible at least occasionally during, uh, during the year. And we've also seen an increase in people who are exploring the Bible. We call these people who Bible test drivers, or the term we use is the movable middle. They're not disengaged from the Bible, but they've actually moved into this place of exploration and seeking wisdom and guidance from God through scripture. Today, there are 95 million American adults who are in that movable middle, and that's up 90% over the past four years. Well, I don't think uh, it it
0: takes uh, a rocket scientist to figure out that, look, in a time of uncertainty, a time of difficulty, and a challenge that people are looking for the answers, and is that why we see an increase in Bible reading?
1: It's a great question. And the data seem to tell us that whenever people face changes, and they can be negative changes like COVID-19 and grief and stress and all of the issues that we've been experiencing, not just as a nation, but around the world, that they turn to God and to God's word, but they also do that in times of positive change. So when they're entering a, a new relationship that they might see as positive, or maybe they're becoming parents for the first time. All of these changes in our lives break us out of our normal ways of doing things. And I think for very many Americans, they begin to turn to their faith and ask the question, does God's word have wisdom and guidance that will help me in my 21st century life? And overwhelmingly, we find the answer is yes. People who engage more deeply with scripture are flourishing at a higher level. And we could talk about that in more depth. They have higher levels of hope. And uh, they believe the future is going to turn out well. So I I don't know if you explored this in the study, but
0: is there a difference between how people approach the scripture and the satisfaction or the insight that they gain? I mean, you know, drive by reading probably is not the best as, uh, you know, really a systematic study of scripture or reading it on a regular basis in learning its application to the events
1: around us. You know, there are different ways to engage with Scripture, and there are different traditions in the church about how we engage with Scripture. But we've learned three things that are really important. First, uh, as people read the Bible more frequently, they have better, more positive results. Reading the Bible on their own outside of church at least once a week is a marker of someone who is really growing in their relationship with God. Of course, we'd love them to read the Bible every day of the week or most days of the week, but that frequency piece is important. But what drives frequency is that when people read Scripture, they understand it and they actually experience God speaking to them through Scripture. It's not enough to just pronounce the words of the Bible. They need to understand it in its historical and cultural context and understand how it applies to them today. And when that happens and something lights up on the inside, they really take off in their growth. They take off in changed outcomes in their lives. Uh, They allow the Bible to help them make decisions day to day because there is timeless wisdom in God's Word. Well, and that's kind of what Jesus
0: promised. He said, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth and understanding Of his words. Now, uh, in your study, you investigated both, you know, kind of how Americans engage, but you also explored what Americans believe about the Bible. What what did you discover on that front?
1: We really discovered that there is a, a a broad plurality of beliefs about the Bible, and in fact, it's possible for many Americans to hold inconsistent beliefs about the Bible. So many Americans say that the Bible, the Quran and other sacred books, perhaps the Book of Mormon are all sort of the different versions of the same thing. Uh, which as someone who's studied scripture and and has been a pastor and a missionary, I, I find that a little bit troubling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we also discover is that as people begin to engage with God's word, their beliefs about God and his word and the importance of the church when they really deeply engaging God's word in a Christian community, wow, their views uh, are transformed, their beliefs about God are transformed, but also their experience of God is transformed. And that is the great news about the Bible. You don't have to believe everything correctly before you start. By starting, the Bible begins to shape us and God shapes us through his word.
0: Yeah, that's extremely important because we're not going to be at the end of the result that we desire or that God desires of us at the beginning. I mean it is a process. The word shapes us, it uh, it, it sanctifies us, as the scripture says, <clears throat> of itself it washes us, cleanses us of our, you know, our fallen humanity as we walk in relationship uh, with the Lord and that is developed through scripture reading which we're going to talk about later in the program. In terms of the Bible and its importance to America, any Any uh, indication there where Americans stand on that?
1: I think overall Americans hold a fairly high view of the Bible, even if they don't read it. Um, but what we've noticed is that among younger generations they're still trying to decide how important is the Bible. Uh, did it help to shape key American ideas and ideals? And what we discovered was that when we asked them, is the, are the Bible's teachings essential to sustaining American ideals like democracy or justice or liberty or unity? People who are in that Gen Z uh, 15 to 18-year-old age, they just really weren't sure. Now, they don't dislike the Bible, but they just don't know what the answer is yet. And they're open to a clear presentation of how Scripture has influenced America how it informs American ideals, and how it helps us to live together as a community of people. And so I think there's an opportunity for us in the church to clearly state how the Bible informs the way we live together.
0: John, as we were talking about, we're kind of, you know, almost on the other side of the pandemic. We never know. And in fact, I think it's just going to become a way of life, especially if you read the scripture, because Jesus warned these types of things are going to be happening uh, at the end of time. But... Is this do do we see this holding this uh, interest in scripture now that maybe the economy is picking back up? Of course, there's there's always going to be uncertainty. Do do you think this is is this a new trend or is this kind of a, a one off that happened just during
1: the height of the pandemic? You know, Tony, I wish I knew the answer to that question. The data honestly don't tell us what they tell us is that for the last four years, consistently more people have been exploring the Bible. Now, when there are uh, real spikes in difficulty, uh, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, big outbreaks of, of political turmoil or social unrest, people do turn to the Bible and seek it out in noticeable ways. And typically what happens is those peaks give way to valleys. And we are hoping that together in this moment when people are open to God's word that we will clearly make the case that God's word speaks clearly to us and gives us wisdom and guidance about how we can live together today so john i mean obviously you are
0: focused very heavily on the bible getting people to read the bible getting into people's hands how can bible believing christians make the most of this moment that we are in when it comes to Scripture? Because we know the word is powerful. God said, my word will not return unto me void. You know, I love preaching, but it is the word of God that is central to knowing God. And if we want people to come to know him and walk with him and be influenced by him, it starts with his word. How do we take advantage of this moment?
1: I think we have three real opportunities that are showing up in the data. The first opportunity is in America's youngest adult generation, Gen Z. So if we think about the next generation, there's a great openness to God's word there, but not necessarily depth. And so young people are looking to those of us who are from older generations to help them understand how the Bible influences and guides our lives and how we have worked through the challenges that we've seen in maybe a few more years than they've had. In other words, how can we be mentors? And so there's an opportunity to connect the next generation with Scripture. I think the second big opportunity we have is to look at the hurting people who are around us and among us. Our communities are struggling with grief, with economic disruption, with uh, all kinds of new situations and the traumas that many of them have experienced, and the Bible speaks to those things. So if you're a pastor or a church leader and you're not doing anything to minister to the traumatic experiences people have had, boy, there's an opportunity for us. And then the third thing is just really simple. Help everyone take their next step with God through Scripture. We all have a next step. And everything about growing with Christ is hyper-custom. So there's no one-size-fits-all. It's not men are this way and women are that way. But people need help and friends who will come alongside them in community to help them take their next step.
0: That's powerful stuff. Good stuff. Great opportunity. You know, in the midst of every challenge, there is an opportunity. And Here it is to introduce people to the word of life. And that is the word of God. John Plake. So thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate all the work that the American Bible Society does. And I uh, want to thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show, Tony.
0: Absolutely. And folks, I encourage you to check out their website, go to Tonyperkins.com dot com and you can follow the links over. All right, don't go away, because we have a lot more of Washington Watch yet to come. And we're going to talk more about the Bible. We're going to be talking next with uh, Brent Kylan here at the Family Research Council, focused on uh, an effort, along with George Barna, as we help those who, who read the Bible, believers, to begin shaping a biblical worldview. And What does that look like? Well, we're going to talk about that. And then later, Dr. Keenan Curitan is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about FRC's two-year journey through the Bible, Stand on the Word, and how you can be a part of that. That's coming up in just a little bit here on this edition of Washington Watch. Don't go away.
2: here that religious liberty is something we must protect but what is it simply put it is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs so why should people care about protecting religious liberty both domestically and internationally at family research council we believe that fighting for religious liberty is essential because it is an inherent human right that all governments have a responsibility to protect unfortunately not all governments do Religious persecution is a terrible reality around the world, yet so often the media turns a blind eye while attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. As Christians, we look to Scripture as our authority, and in it we have a clear calling from God to pray and care for the persecuted. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. Learn more about what you can do to help the persecuted by accessing Family Research Council's latest resources on religious liberty at frc.org slash religious liberty. What
3: do abortion, pornography, and human trafficking have in common? They all violate human dignity and worth, treating people as objects to be bought, sold, and discarded. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every person is made in the image of God and has inherent dignity and worth. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by providing helpful resources that address abortion, human trafficking, pornography, and more. To learn more, visit frc.org/life.
4: In a culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. But men need a model of leadership they can follow. Stand Courageous Men's Ministry seeks to help men develop a strong biblical character. Build and rebuild relationships and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Find an event near you at StandCourageous.com.
1: Here at FRC, we stand. We love to stand. We can't stop standing. We love standing so much... We actually removed all the chairs, couches, and stools from our premises. But that wasn't enough for us. We got USA-made 15-ounce stand mugs so that if we ever forget what to do, we're reminded by the USA-made ceramic always close at hand. Whether drinking a morning brew, sipping afternoon tea, or chowing down on dinner, everything served in a stand mug just pairs oh so well. Does a conscience that stands for faith, family, and freedom ever truly go thirsty? Get your stand mug at TonyPerkins.com. And, as always, keep standing.
0: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you. The website, Tony All right. With the far left pushing their anti-biblical agenda, seeking to silence uh, conservative and Christian voices, our shared values face many challenges each and every day. But you can make a difference by partnering with Family Research Council to reach millions of Americans with truth and a biblical perspective. And thanks to a challenge match by Friends of FRC, your gift will have double the impact if it's received by December the 31st. So you can partner with us to make sure that Washington Watch continues, that the work of the Family Research Council continues, and your gift will be doubled in its impact because of uh, generous donors that have put that challenge out there. So if you'd like to be a part of partnering with the Family Research Council, go to TonyPerkins.com. And make your contribution there. And also check out the resources that we have available for you at TonyPerkins.com. Now, on the other, before the break, we were uh, talking about a study of how Americans view the Bible and the fact that uh, we're seeing that there is an increased interest in the Bible. You know, another study that we're going to take a look at demonstrates how a biblical worldview can shape your engagement and your Uh, I guess you want to say political behavior. uh, It's really more about the culture because it's not, when you say the word politics, people all of a sudden say, I don't want to get involved in that. It's the culture. It's the world around you. Everything is political. All right. Well, research by George Barnett, the Cultural Research Center, shows that a group that you've you've heard of before, because we talk about it fairly frequently, the SAGE-CONS, that's spiritually active, governance-engaged conservatives, that they played a significant role in the 2016 and 2020 elections with unprecedented solidarity. Now, what role does scripture play in developing and leading this cultural engagement? Well, to help us answer that question is the vice president for FRC Action, Brent Kylan. Brent, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you today. So uh, I mentioned the term SAGE-CONS. We've discussed SAGE-CONS on the program uh, before, but uh, before we go any further, I know the name is descriptive, but... Unpack that a little bit. What
4: motivates SageCons? Absolutely. So that that term, Sage, uh, spiritually active and and governance engaged conservatives. And so the the spiritually active part really is that that foundational. Motivating piece, Tony. If you look at the criteria, sage cons are um, these are people who um, they they say their faith is important to them. It's actually a, a driving force of of everything that they do. They they are born again, um, not not uh, self described so much, but actually meeting a, a theological definition of of being born again. And they're also um, they're deeply committed to actually practicing and and living out that faith. So their, their engagement as I, I mean, I, I'm a sage con,
0: you're a sage con. That's right. Um, We are involved in this process here in Washington, DC because of our faith. Yeah. I mean, I'm not attracted to politics. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not attracted to all of this other than I feel compelled because of my faith
4: to be what the scripture says, salt and wine. Mm That's right. That's right. And that's that really is one of those um, distinguishing characteristics of sage cons, because the you know, the GE of sage comes right after that, that governmentally engaged. But as you say, Tony, this is this is being driven by and, and motivated by uh, by faith. It's it's kind of that engine that then um, motivates people to live that out in all areas of society, all areas of culture, government and politics being some of those important arenas that they see we want to represent this truth in in those arenas. So what what role does the Bible play
0: with sage cons, Bible reading, biblical worldview? I mean,
4: unpack that for us. So Tony, it, it plays a huge a huge role, and and I don't think that surprises you. But um, if you look at some of these numbers, they're 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 very significant. Um, as you mentioned, George Barna has done quite a bit of research on on them, and then you know how do they think? Uh, what is it that that motivates them? And um, when he asked this question, and get how this compares to your average American adult, he said, uh, "Is your primary source of guidance or or?" Is the Bible your primary source of guidance on important moral and ethical decisions? Your um, average American adults, uh, 23% of them said yes to that question. But with SageCons, 72% said yes to that question. If you look at some other questions uh, we, we, we've pulled on um for for the Bible specifically, um, when we asked, uh, is the Bible the word of God without any errors? All adults said 41% said they agree mm-hmm. with that. But SageCon's 87% agreed with that. And then um, we asked, do you read or, or study the Bible every day? And this was a, a, another question George asked. And um, all adults, 20%. Said yes, so one in five. But with sage Kanzi it was fifty-seven percent. So almost. So six clearly, out of 10. the Bible plays a key role yes, in the life yes. of a sage con. That's right. Now, uh, worldview. I, I want to.
0: You know, we use these terms a lot, and we may have some folks listening that has, that are not frequent listeners of the program. But a worldview is basically the lens which, with which you view the world. Mm-hmm. It is the. It's how you interpret. The, the events in the world uh, around you, and how does that worldview affect the behavior, the actions,
4: the engagement of SAGE comms? Tremendously, Tony, tremendously. Like you say, sometimes we hear that word worldview and we kind of think that those are, those are, um, ideas in my head, you know, that, 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 that I agree with. Um, but, but really, when this is getting measured and, and, and when George is doing his research, um, he's measuring beliefs and behavior. Like is your is your worldview is what you think your worldview is and is what you say your worldview is, is that uh, just what you you say? Yeah, I agree with that idea. Or is that actually driving, driving what you do? And with SageCons, the biblical worldview is is absolutely uh, motivating and and driving what they do. If you look at a few of these questions, so I would call these you know worldview. Well, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that because we're up against a break. Because we're gonna finish the, those questions, but I also
0: want to look at this. What role does the Bible play in this worldview in unifying SAGE-CONS to take action mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is in concert with one mm-hmm. another? So we're going to talk about that. Folks, Brick Island, my guest, talking about SAGE-CONS, worldview, the Bible, and there's still a lot more to come. So don't go away. We're coming back on the other side of the break with more Washington Watch.
3: Stay informed with what's going on in our nation's capital, make a difference in your community, and keep your friends and family up to date with Family Research Council's Stand Firm mobile app. This tool serves to bring Christians across America together in advancing faith, family, and freedom. With the Stand Firm app, you will have all our content available at your fingertips and will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download FRC's Stand Firm app or by going to frc.org slash app.
2: In the season our nation is in, it is necessary for Christians to pray, to stand for truth, and to, above all things, seek after the Lord. Every Wednesday, FRC and FRC Action President Tony Perkins hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus our attention on the Lord first and in every aspect of our lives. The purpose of this is to help equip you to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christians for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog that's being created by the biased lenses of the mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the PrayVote Stand weekly broadcast, visit prayvotestand.org. That's prayvotestand.org.
0: This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Kind of a special edition of Washington Watch today. There's, uh, it's not often that that I can go deep into one particular issue, but we're coming up on the on the New Year, and we really want to encourage you uh, to consider joining us on our two-year journey through the Bible called Stand on the Word. that uh, We've uh, we just finished, or we're just finishing, our first two-year journey, and we start over again January the 1st. It's a great time to join us, frc.org slash Bible. I'm going to talk more about that uh, in my next segment with uh, Dr. Keenan Cureton. lots of resources and tools for you. Uh, but I want to finish my conversation here with Brent Kylan, Vice President FRC Action. So we're talking about worldview, talking about Sage Cons. Um, sage Cons are unified. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like and it's not like they all get on the phone together and they have a big mm-hmm. conference call and they say, "All right, we're going to do this," but. SAGE-CONS in the last election, uh, according to George Barna, this is unprecedented. Ninety nine percent of them turned out Mm -hmm. and ninety seven percent of them voted for Donald Trump. This is in fact, they were almost one third of Donald Trump's vote in the
4: presidential election in 2020. So how is it they act in such a unified manner? in tony in 2016 it was a 91 voter turnout we didn't think that could go any higher you know for one group of people but you're right this is uh this is a, a a highly motivated group and you know if you look at this here's here's one aspect of that question you just asked um what is the worldview on on human life when you look at the question is human life sacred all adults 39% 39% agree, but with sage cons, 81% agree that human life is sacred. They're then taking that worldview to the ballot right. box. And then so we asked them, well, what were your top voting issues? What caused you to vote at such an extremely high rate? And life was, uh, I think, the top issue uh, that was driving that. So you see the, the worldview based off of the Bible, but then that action is taking place because of it. So if more
0: people read the bible they would be inclined to become sage cons and if they were sage cons they would engage in the culture in a way that would bring about you know pro-life measures religious liberty protection measures I mean is that I mean,
4: is that an accurate assessment? I I I think that's accurate, Tony, because you know a lot of times, um, you know, we see candidates that that people support that we don't agree with, and and we uh, we can quickly grow frustrated, and we're like, how in the world could they support that person or whatever? But you have to realize, go deeper. What is the worldview of that person? If 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 somebody, if your neighbor who's who's voting for that person doesn't agree like you do, that human life is sacred, then then they're going to have a completely different perspective right. than that. So, and, and, and Tony, if I could, let's look at the, the the opposite of this, kind of the opposite side of the spectrum. The opposite of a biblical worldview, maybe a humanist or yes. socialist worldview. Yes, absolutely. So the, the research is also showing... Um, we 've seen over the past few years uh, a spike in support for outright socialism, right and I think that's shocked a number of people. you yeah. know where did this come from you know and um in, in, in if you look at this ninety eight percent of American adults who support socialism also reject a biblical worldview. And so when you take it a a, a step deeper Mm -hmm. than just that, that surface issue and socialism is a big deal. It affects so many things, but they are coming at this issue just from a fundamentally different perspective. And so, yes, like you said, when you are, you're in the Bible and that's um, shaping, you know, your, your view of the world, it just affects so many things. uh, We're going to run out of time here, but uh, the
0: parents who are concerned about their children, About the transference of the or the transmission of the values that they have to them, concerned from one generation to the next for the country, it sounds like to me one of the best ways to see those historic, traditional, biblical values to be transmitted from one generation to the next is to teach your
4: children to read the Bible. Absolutely, walk with them, help them learn that process, learn learn how to. Read the Bible and then teach them how to apply the Bible, yeah, biblical how to worldview. see a, a biblical worldview, how to see life. Hey, take a news story and say, "Hey, let's talk about what does the word say? How do we interpret what yeah. that actually means?" That, that's that's so fundamental, and it's important in those formative years. George Barnes says the biblical worldview is formed between fifteen months and thirteen years. Yes. Yes. So by the age of 13, and, and, and it can change after 13, but, but it's, it's very difficult. rare, very, very difficult. difficult. So if you can set that worldview by age and, 13. And it's not coincidental
0: that the left wants to get our children right. younger that's and right. younger
4: so that they can indoctrinate them with a humanist or a socialist worldview. Yes. They know how um, formative those early year, years are. No no question about it.
0: And, uh, of course, FRC has some resources available on helping establish that uh, biblical worldview. In fact, we're going to be talking about that next uh, with Dr. Keenan Curitan as we go into FRC's two-year journey through the Bible, Stand on the Word. Uh, How can people find out more about uh,
4: SAGE-CONs? And maybe they are a SAGE-CON or maybe they want to be a SAGE-CON. Yes. How do they find out? Well, I I would say keep uh, following FRC and FRC Action uh, on our websites. We are producing materials for SAGE-CONs. More of those will be coming. And, Tony, the other thing I would just point out that... If, if, if this is resonating with you and you're a sagecon and you're listening, you are not alone. Yeah. The left wants you to think you are. Good There's, point. there's 23 million sagecons out there, people who are motivated by these things like you are.
0: All right, Brent, great to see you. Thanks for being Thanks, with us. Tony.
5: Appreciate it.
4: Folks, stick around. On the other side of the break, Dr. Keenan
0: Curitan tells you about one of those resources we have available next. Don't go away.
2: author of life and has created man in his image therefore we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death that is why family research council works to pass laws that protect the unborn to keep you informed on this issue frc has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws that way you can know where your state stands on protecting unborn babies check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash maps Hi, my name is Hannah. I'm serving as an intern here at Family Research Council,
3: and it's been a life-changing experience. Interns join FRC's team of experts as they embark upon a mission of advancing faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture from a biblical worldview. The FRC internship is a 12 to 15 week program designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is fundamental to the reformation of government and culture. Interns receive the opportunity to work alongside and be personally and professionally developed by FRC's team of experts. This paid internship offers free housing in the heart of D.C., which allows students to be fully immersed in the fast-paced political climate and to build a community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org slash internships. That's frc.org slash internships. Stay informed with Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With the Stand Firm app, you will have all our content available at your fingertips and will conveniently be able to stay up-to-date throughout your busy day. You will have access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Search
2: Stand Firm on your mobile device to download FRC's Stand Firm app. We often hear that religious liberty is something we must protect, but what is it? Simply put, it is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. So, why should people care about protecting religious liberty, both domestically and internationally? At Family Research Council, we believe that fighting for religious liberty is essential because it is an inherent human right that all governments have a responsibility to protect. Unfortunately, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a terrible reality around the world, yet so often the media turns a blind eye while attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. As Christians, we look to Scripture as our authority, and in it we have a clear calling from God to pray and care for the persecuted. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. Learn more about what you can do to help the persecuted by accessing Family Research Council's latest resources on religious liberty at frc.org slash religious liberty.
0: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I mentioned earlier in the program, between now and December the first, if you uh, December thirty first, if you would uh, like to partner with us, we have uh, some generous donors that have put forward a challenge match and effectively doubling everything that you give. Uh, we're only able to keep Washington Watch on the air because of folks like you who care about this country and care about expanding the kingdom of God. So go to TonyPerkins.com and uh, partner with us. Some of you have heard uh, some of my story before, but I was not born into a uh, family that went to church. I was blessed to be born into a home with a mom and a dad who were married and loved each other, but they were lost spiritually. However, through a vacation Bible school outreach, my uh, uh, after I went and visited and wanted to go back, uh, ended up my parents came to know Christ as their Savior, and a few years later, I made my own decision. follow Jesus. Now, in this small Bible-believing church, the pastor taught the Word of God. Uh, We've been talking about the Bible today. Well, he preached from the Bible, and as a teenager, I went through uh, what we called in this denomination a confirmation class. It was a Presbyterian church, and uh, we uh, we studied the tenets of the Christian faith and the doctrine of the church. And at the end, I received what uh, was my first, what would become many, commentaries on the Bible. Now, this one Uh, even back then, nearly 50 years ago, was a classic. It was Haley's Bible Handbook. Now, in that book, Henry Haley writes this. He said, the most important thing in this book, he said, this simple suggestion, that each church have a congregational plan of Bible reading and that the pastor's sermon be from the part of the Bible read the past week, thus connecting the pastor's preaching with the people's Bible reading. This suggestion, he goes on to say, or write, if followed, would beyond any doubt whatever, whatsoever produce a revitalized church provided the pastor himself thoroughly believes in the Bible as God's word and puts his heart into the effort. Now, Why would it have this effect? Because reading the Bible is how we know God and, and how we know him And what he wants us to live and how he wants us to live affects our lives each and every day. Reading the Bible is key to forming what we've been talking about, about a biblical worldview. And forming, forming a biblical worldview is key to engaging the public square as Christians. This is an area that is increasingly a focus for the Family Research Council. As a part of our shift in focus, some of you know, we started a two-year journey through the Bible, a Bible reading plan called Stand on the Word. Well, we've reached the end of that. We are, the end of the, this month. And we're here to discuss our next two-year journey through the Bible. And with us to uh, have that conversation is FRC's Vice President of Christian Resources, Dr. Keenan Curitan. Dr. Curitan, welcome back to the
5: program. Tony, great to be with you again.
0: Now, as an organization, FRC has been working through this two-year Bible reading plan, and you've been a big part of that. And now we are about to launch our second I guess you would call it, stand on the word 2.0. Tell our listeners about it.
5: Well, it, yeah, i would happy to do that. But hey, credit where credit is due. You did it with your own family before you uh, had the vision to do it with FRC. And it was amazing how God used you to get that started before we headed into 2020 and were greeted with the pandemic and the way that God used that in a tremendous way I think to knit our hearts together, give us a strong foundation, uh, from which we could respond, uh, to that big challenge that we had. So just, just a quick word of credit, Tony. Uh, thank you so much for being led of the Lord to get us started in, in the reading of the Bible every day. Well, you know,
0: it's been fascinating to see how relevant it is. I mean, we're right here in our nation's capital where every day there, there is breaking news and it, I mean, it is it is I guess we shouldn't be, but it's just unbelievable how relevant and timely God's word is to today.
5: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we were going through uh, the prophets uh, when Joe Biden came to office and we we continued to see God's word applied to leadership and what a godly leader or an ungodly leader uh could do to a nation and in, in the way that they led. And it was just amazing. We were just watching it unfold as we were reading the headlines and, and watching uh you know, the actions taken by the by the administration and then seeing that very same thing in in the Word of God each day.
0: And and that helps put things into perspective because sometimes we can get lost in the in the moment and feel like we're being overrun and that this is, uh, you know, the the end of the world, so to speak. And and we become frantic and anxious, especially today with news 24-7. I hear this all the time. People say, well, look, I'm just I'm so angry. I just I, I just don't know what to do. And I say, are you watching television? Oh, yeah, I, I watch the news all the time. Well, turn it off. You know, I think we have to balance as believers. We have to balance what we're hearing in the world around us, which is not as we know, not always reality, uh, because you can't you cannot believe everything you hear on the news. In fact, I would say probably seventy five percent of it you need to question. Whereas the Word of God is reliable; it's been it has proved been proven through the test of time. We know it's true, and if we are in the Word, we can then interpret those things around us in such a way that we're not overly overcome with anxiety. We're not. Discouraged? We're not desperate. Are we concerned? Are we living in reality? Yes, but we know who God is, and we know what God is able to do.
5: Absolutely, Tony. Uh, You know we don't have to live with headline hysteria. We know how this book ends, and we know how the future is going to play out. And we know that it's in the hands of of a God who is very much on His throne and very much in control. He's sovereign, and we can hope in His Word.
0: So Dr. Kirchner, let me just ask you this from uh, from your perspective as we've gone through this two-year journey through the Bible, what are the benefits you see from studying the Bible together? Now I know as a as a pastor, as a student of scripture, you've studied the Bible, you've read it through many times, but I think for many of us this was the first time we did it collectively with a very large group. What what are the benefits of that?
5: Absolutely. It it you know, for my family, there was great benefit in being on the same page in scripture. I know you do this with your family, even when you're away. You you know, you're texting them the questions, and then you have those conversations. And there's such a spiritual synergy that results from that. You know, being on the same page of scripture together. And we saw that in our own team. I, I just saw how uh, the Family Research Council team just got to a higher level spiritually. And uh, you know it was—it's it, been a joy to jump on that morning strategy call, begin our time in God's Word, and hear what God said to various team members, and what an encouragement to to hear how God's at work and how God's revealing Himself in the lives of, of your fellow team team members. And, and there's great spiritual synergy, I think, in, in reading the same page of Scripture together.
0: Yeah, and, 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 it, and it creates not only that synergy but that unity that yes. you need in a challenging time. In fact, I've had some pastors that uh, have observed what we've done here at the Family Research Council with that Bible reading plan and said, Wow you know i need to do that with my church staff you know we we minister but rarely are we ministered to and it is just a great point of connection every day for us as we uh, as we do that now we've learned some things on this journey just like anything else when you go through a journey you uh, you kind of learn a few things and how you can improve the second journey and so this time as we began on january the 1st our second uh, journey through the bible You've got some new tools that uh, the team at the Family Research Council has put together. Uh, Tell our listeners about that.
5: Absolutely, Tony. You know, uh, the last couple of years we had a calendar, and uh, the readings were included in that calendar, and you could download it, print it, or even order a copy, and we're still doing that for 2023. But what I'm stoked about is the fact that we're adding an interactive web page, and on that web page, you're going to have the links to the day's Bible reading. They'll be front and center. You can choose between uh, the English Standard Version or the New King James Version, as well as an audio version for those who want to listen to the Bible being read in a Shakespearean voice, right? Uh, So they can hear it, uh, you know, hear the audio. If they're on the go, it's really easy to do on their phone. And on that page, we have a couple of questions for discussion, just like this last time and, of course, on Sunday Sunday. We've got that debrief day, which is so powerful. I, I know it has been for your family, same for mine, where, you know, families, friends can get together and have a conversation about what God said to them over the past week and draw encouragement from that. But wait, there's more. Uh, we're also going to feature some commentary on those daily Bible readings, including your uh, video devotional that you do many mornings. Uh, which, you know, I, has been such an encouragement to me. And I know uh, a lot of the listeners maybe dialed into your Facebook page or gone to TonyPerkins.com and, and caught you. And you do such an excellent job of providing an explanation of the text, some illustration, and some practical application in about five to eight minutes. And it's tremendous. And so that's going to pop up on that page. And additionally, uh, General Boykin, he's got a weekly uh, devotional for men. It also follows the, the Bible reading program, and that'll pop up on the page as well as we read along. So I'm stoked about getting started in the new year with these new tools.
0: And how this works, it's great for pastors. I did this at my church when I was pastoring, having everyone reading the same passage and then I would preach on it uh, during the course of that week. But we have these these questions. You mentioned the questions. So here's how this uh, kind of works. I want to unpack this for folks because it, it is a very useful tool. So we have the, the, the readings broken into two years as opposed to a lot of Bible reading plans are one year, and you're, like, overwhelmed with the volume of the reading. This is very manageable. In fact, I've got uh, a number of uh, folks that have... Uh, written in about this journey that they've been on. And I had one mom, uh, Jessica, who she said, thank you for sharing the two-year Bible plan. Even as a believer from my youth, I've never had a two-year plan, and never have I gotten so far into a solid, consistent reading schedule. I began a bit before January 1st reading solo, but soon after the new year decided that I would do this with my homeschooled children. So she'd been taking her children through it, and she said, this is very manageable, you know, because it's about... 10, maybe 15 minutes a day of reading. And, and then the questions are designed, especially for fathers, mothers who are leading this, to uh, I, wherever I'm at in the world. I text those questions to, uh, to all of my children, uh, my adult children as well. We do this as a family, and my, my, uh, grand, uh, my uh, uh, son-in-law and uh, daughter-in-law. And so we all do this together. And then on Sundays, uh, as you said, there's, uh, there's no Bible reading uh on sunday so it's six days of reading and the seventh day is a discussion time so what we did and i kind of uh picked up on this when i was in israel a number of years ago and shabbat which is the 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 the, the sabbath day where they would nothing happens big family day they sit down and they eat and they just talk and they discuss and so for us that's what sundays have become for our lunch we we and then we discuss with these diagnostic questions, the reading. And so everyone shares what they learned and what I found, Dr. Curitan, this is a great way to develop the biblical worldview because we take what the scripture says and then we, 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 we talk about current events and how it relates to that.
5: Absolutely. You know, it's just a, a tremendous time together as a family around the word of God. I mean, it, you know, uh, it's been such an encouragement to my family and, and practical too. Uh, you know, my son <clears throat> uh, graduating with his uh, Ph.D. in nuclear engineering got job offers, and and he's you know, which which path do I take? You know, and uh, we were we were going through Acts 16, and and the way that God closed the door uh, in a couple of uh, cases for Paul and his mission team. And then gave him that vision from the man from Macedonia and said, this is the way I want you to go. And, and, and that scripture became very meaningful to my son, uh, as he was making, you know, praying through the decisions that he was going to make. And so this is, this is a very practical thing that applies to life, right. uh, the, this Bible reading plan.
0: And I, I find, you know, as opposed to that verse would have mean, meant something to him if he had just read that verse. But when he read yeah. it in context, by going through and seeing how all of those pieces fit together, you see the whole story. And I think that's what's so uh, one of the things that's so powerful about this chronological journey through the Bible is seeing how it all fits together. And and I think that actually underscores the reality that this is God's word, because how could uh, so many different writers over 1500 years bring something together unless the Holy Spirit was leading them? And you see that when you read the Bible in a systematic
5: way like this. Absolutely. It's, it's like, what, about 40 different artists painting a picture, not having not being able to see what the other guy is trying to paint over that 1500-year picture. Period, And yet, they, you know, we get this unified picture at the end of the day. It, it's incredible. I mean, you know, there, there are, you know, 432 uh, specific prophecies about Jesus in 333 verses, just about his first coming alone that right. were fulfilled. In him. And it's just, there's just no way that that's coincidence. It's providence.
0: It is. (laughs) And you see that when you uh, read the Bible. Dr. Curitan, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for joining us and thank you for the work you put into uh, our stand on the word, our two year journey through the Bible. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. And folks, I want to encourage you to check it out and join us. Sign up and you'll get the daily updates. You'll get the questions, all that you need. FRC.org slash Bible. Until next time. I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
5: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.